um, um, this, the next slide. This is the last sermon in this series. We, we've tried to look at, at grace from an Old Testament perspective. We started out with Noah found grace uh, in the eyes of the Lord. And I tried to share with you what it meant to find grace uh, or to be found graceful by, by God. We, we looked at a couple Old Testament passages. We looked at several New Testament passages, one in John where it talks about grace uh, being revealed through Jesus Christ. For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by, by Jesus Christ. We, we took a look at Romans and Paul talking about us being justified and being ransomed. Um, and I, I, I gave some thought to whether preach from Ephesians 2, verse number 8, or Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. They basically uh, say the same thing. What Paul says to the church at Ephesus, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. He says pretty much the same thing to, to Titus, in chapter 3 and verse, verse number 5. And what, what Paul says to Titus is, God saved us, but it's not because of anything you and I have done. God didn't save us because we were righteous. Actually, God saved us because we were unrighteous and we needed saving or needed salvation. So when we look at this, this text, and we look at the introduction to the text, there are some significant days that, that stand out in, in most of our, our lives, days that we can remember. They're branded in our memory bank. There are days where you remember where you were when something significant happened. Amen. Uh, I still remember when 9-11 <clears throat> struck and uh, I was at home on my way to the office, church office, and could not leave the house because I was, was struck and in awe and, and sorrow and suspense and surprise uh, when I watched the news of one plane and then a second plane and then you heard about the Pentagon and then a plane crashing. I remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. I remember as a little boy, um, I was probably about seven years old when, when uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. I, I remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I remember the mood uh, of, of society, even the mood in my household. There are some days or events that stand out and we will never, ever forget it. Amen. I remember uh, when I got, the day I got married, I better remember that. And, and, and the sweat and the perspiration, the nervousness and the anticipation and uh, the excitement. I remember, I remember when my children were born and I remember how awestruck I was to see what I thought was a miracle now. And, and I remember, and there are days that you remember 
and you will never, ever forget. But I hope this morning that all of us remember our born again day. That day we went down in the water. That day we gave our life to Jesus Christ. That day we said no to the world and yes to Jesus. That ought to be a happy day. That ought to be the day that Jesus walks our sins away. Do I have any witnesses here? How many of y'all remember that day? Remember the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You decided that you were going to be a member of the Church of Christ. You gave your life to Jesus. You decided to become a Christian. I remember where I was. I remember the night I got baptized. I remember the day I, the night I gave my life to Jesus and the feeling of excitement, the feeling of joy, the feeling that I'm serving the Lord. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away. Somebody ought to be shocked right about now. Because if you compare that day to the day before your baptism, you and I were in bad shape. If I could look at this sermon and give real justice to it, the book of Titus, Paul is, in this, in this third chapter, Paul is, is really dealing with three things. He's going to share with, with Titus the way we ought to live. In the first two verses. And then in verse 3, he discusses the way we used to live. And then, then, then in verses 4 through 7, and really 4 through 8, it's the way we intend to live. So watch this, watch, watch this. The way we ought to live now that we are Christians. But then in order to appreciate the way we ought to live, don't forget the way you used to live. Y'all gonna help me with this? But then in order to really appreciate grace and to really appreciate being a child of God, after you understand what God has done for us through Christ, it ought to motivate you to live the godly life. Watch this, the way we ought to live, the way we ought to live. The book of Titus is one of the books that were written to, to preachers. It's a minister's manual. We, we call it the pastoral epistles. And, 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 and the pastoral epistles simply meant, means that, that it's a letter written to preachers. It's a letter written to Timothy and Titus, giving Timothy and Titus instructions of how to minister what to say, when to say, how to conduct themselves. If you want to know the preacher's job, read 1st, 2nd Timothy and, and, and the book of Titus because in that book, it is outlined the job or duties of the gospel preacher. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, Titus is told to set the church in order and ordain elders in every city. Crete was an island and on that island they had several cities and Titus job with these new churches that, that were established on the Isle of Crete was go from city to city set those churches in order ordain men to the eldership 
uh, because Paul had been there, but Paul had not finished the job. So Paul is saying to Titus, I left you in Crete to finish what I did not get the opportunity to do. So chapter one, Paul is dealing, uh, telling Titus to deal with church administration. In chapter two, Paul tells Titus to teach the things which become sound doctrine. And then he instructs Titus to tell older men to teach younger men and older women to teach younger women. And I came to say this morning, what Paul told Titus still applies today. We need the wisdom of old to instruct the youthfulness of the young. Young folk need guidance, and old folk need to share their experience. The problem we have today is old folk don't want to be old. I got a little help on this side. Uh, Y'all didn't have enough coffee this morning. Uh, uh, old folk don't want to be old. And then another problem that we have is Paul says teach things which become sound doctrine, teach things which become healthy doctrine. We are living in times when folk, some folk, don't care much about sound doctrine. Uh, folk don't care about the Bible. I was talking with a preacher just last week. He's about 80-some years old, and, and, and we were talking about ministry, and he said to me, he said, you know, folk today are not concerned about spiritual matters. They're more concerned about secular matters. They, they're more concerned about worldly matters. And the church is becoming so consumer friendly that we're trying to please the membership and find out what the membership wants. And I read on Facebook last night or this morning where another preacher said that churches are becoming like Costco and, and, uh, uh, and uh, what's that other? Uh, Sam's Club, yeah, Costco and Sam's Club, where we are consumer friendly, and it's about what the members want, but I came to say it ought to be about what God wants. Do I have some help up in here? And, 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 and now we're trying to please the members and make sure the members are happy and make sure, find out what the members want. I want to say this morning, y'all going to help me this morning? Every member ought to want what God wants in his word. So teach the things that become sound doctrine, healthy doctrine, biblical doctrine. Let's stay with the book, Church of Christ. Let's stay with the Bible. Let, let, let's be Bible people. Let, let's be people who are, who, are, who are motivated by Scripture. And we know the Scripture. We read the Scripture. And we apply it in our lives. Then in chapter 3, Paul tells Titus to remind them. Remind them of their duties to society as a child of God. Y'all got a minute for this? In verse 1, he talks about the way we used to live. Now, this may ruffle some feathers, especially folk who are not supporting Donald Trump. But verse 1 says, remind them to be subject to rulers to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. What Paul is saying, this is the way we ought to live. This is the way we ought to live. In, in other words, what Paul is saying, the way we ought to live as a child of God, as a member of the church, as a Christian who has been washed in the blood of Jesus, Every Christian ought to respect 
those in government. Now you may not like those in government. You may not agree with those in government, but if you are under the government of God, God says in his holy book, be subject to rulers. Who do you think he's talking about? He's talking about kings. He's talking about emperors. He's talking about anybody that's making laws as long as those laws does not conflict with the commands of God. A child of God ought to live a law-abiding life. Y'all ain't gonna help me here. I know some of y'all don't like Trump. I ain't crazy about him either. But I'm a Christian first. And as a Christian, my duty is to be subject to rulers, be subject to authorities, to be obedient and to be ready to every go. That's the way we ought to live. We ought not be a terrorist. We ought not be going against the government. We not ought, we ought we should not be trying to overthrow the government. We ought not be rallying, trying to get folk to disobey the laws of the land as a child of God, born again, washed in the blood, Christian. We ought to be a good citizen in the United States. Y'all won't have to say amen, but it's still right. That's the way we ought to live. But then Paul shares with them the way we used to live. And, and watch the terminology. Watch, watch the structure. Paul is talking about the plural we in the past tense. In verse number uh, uh, two, he says that a child of God ought not to malign anyone. Amen. And that word malign simply means to do someone harm. It means to injure someone. Children of God ought not be in the business of harming other people. Y'all don't see this here. That means children of God don't talk behind other folks' backs. Children of God don't say things that will ruin a person's reputation. Children of God don't try to harm a person and hurt a person's feeling. A child of God used to live like that before he met Jesus. Y'all want to stay with me? Be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. And then he used this plural past tense. For we also once were foolish ourselves. Paul puts himself into that category. Paul said there was a time when he was just silly. And I think if we be honest, some of us have been silly. Y'all ain't gonna help me here. I, I got too many folk with halos over their heads and wings on their back. Y'all ain't never been Silly. That's what foolish means. Foolish in this text means there was a time when we were silly. We did silly things. Foolish things. Y'all ain't gonna say amen. If you want to go to heaven, just be honest. There was a time before we met Jesus that we might be out in the nightclub doing silly stuff. There was a time before we met Jesus that we would be running around town doing silly stuff. 
And Paul said, look, look, Titus, this is what you remind the Christians of, of Crete, that we, before Jesus, were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. And then he said, we were slaves to sin. Are y'all seeing the text? That's the way we used to be. We, we used to be silly. We used to be foolish. We, we used to be slaves to sin. And then he said, we used to spend our life in malice and envy. We used to hate folk. We used to hate one another. The young folk call it throwing shade. That there was a time in our lives we used to throw shade on other people. Y'all don't know what throwing shade means? Throwing shade means when you talk about somebody. Throwing shade means when you spread rumors. Th throwing shade means y'all ain't y'all 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 y'all. It's too early in the morning, right? Paul said that's the way we used to be. But then, but then Paul shows them what I call trichotomy theology. Because in verse four he said, verse four, five, and six. Watch this. Trichotomy simply means threefold. We are trichotomy beings. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. We're not just a body. We're not just souls, but we're also a spirit. We possess a soul. We are a spirit. Our spirit lives in a body. We are threefold beings. But this threefold being must submit to a trichotomy God, which I, when I mean trichotomy God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. And watch the text. In verse number four, what Paul says to Titus is the kindness and love of God our Father, God our Savior, is the Father. In verse number five, he talks about the Holy Spirit who washes and regenerates and renews our life. Then in verse number six, he talks about the work of Jesus Christ, our, our Savior. In other words, Paul is saying now, this is the way you ought to live. This is the way you used to live. But God saved us. And when God saved us, he showed his kindness. And God not only saved us, but the Holy Spirit renews us and regenerates us. And all of that was done by the justification that Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. In other words, is nothing you and I could do to save ourselves is all of what God did through Jesus Christ. In other words, God the Father is in that, Jesus Christ is in that, and the Holy Spirit is in that. And, and what Paul is really saying to Titus is you teach the church at Crete that, look, God showed you some mercy by saving you. And it was not on the basis of deeds that you have done. In fact, sometimes I think even in the church today, we think the good things we do is what saves us. But it ain't the good things that we do that saves us. Because if the good things saved us, we wouldn't need to be saved. We're saving ourselves. Watch this. When it comes to salvation, there's three stages of salvation. We are saved when we are baptized. Amen. Titus 3 talks about the washing of regeneration. We are saved. 
a sinner, when he comes to Jesus, is saved by being baptized. Then after being baptized, we are being saved. We are in a state of staying saved. That, that's where the Holy Spirit comes and he renews us. We are regenerated in baptism. So the first stage is a sinner man comes to Christ. He's baptized. He's saved. But he has to stay saved. So we are saved. We are being saved. And then we will be saved. That's what next slide, uh, Jamar. That's what Paul talks about in verses 4, 5, and 6. In number 1, it, but when the kindness of God, our Savior, His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not according uh, to our righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse number 7, verse 6, he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There it is. We are saved when we are baptized. We are being saved now with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then we will be saved when Jesus comes the second time by giving us a glorified body. That's why the child of God ought to say, oh, happy day. Amen. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed my sins away. In other words, if you make it to heaven, y'all heard that word if? If you make it to heaven, it's all because of what God did through Jesus. That's grace. That's kindness. That's his mercy. That's justification. Because justification implies that we are guilty, but we are declared innocent and righteous. Nobody could do that for you but Jesus Christ. So what, are we, what should we be preaching? If you are not motivated to do more for the Lord because of his grace, then I don't know what will motivate us. In other words, and that's the problem that we face today because we live in this society where everything is about us. It's about how we feel. It's about what we think, what we want. It's, it's, it's more of a me, me. And, and we try to blame the under 40 crowd. And, and the under 40 crowd needs some work. They need to be committed. But the over 40 crowd need to work on some things too. Because the over 40 crowd have gotten complacent and the under 40 crowd needs to make a greater commitment. And I came to say to the complacent and to the uncommitted, you need another seed and the other seed is Christ. And when we realize that Jesus died for my sins, he took my place, he declared me righteous when I was just as guilty as I could be. I see I got to work with y'all because some of y'all don't want to admit that we used to be silly. Some of y'all trying to fool some other folks. But you can fool some of the people some of the time. But you can't fool the Lord no time. Don't you need Jesus? Yeah, y'all realize how much you need Jesus. 
you are alive this morning because of the grace of God. You still have a job because of the grace of God. You are putting one foot in front of the other because of the grace of God. You have a roof over your head because of the grace of God. You have food on the table because of the grace of God. You have family that love you because of the grace of God. And, and, and every now and then, you just need to go back to the day you gave your life to Jesus Christ. That day you said, I want to follow Jesus. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Y'all remember that? I wish I could sing. Boy, I'd break out of the right now. I'd break out of the air with right about now. Oh, oh, happy day. There may be someone here this morning who's ready to give their life to Jesus. And you, you, you don't understand all that takes place. You, you just think you put your faith in Jesus. You become a member of the East End Church. But I can't say salvation is greater than that. Regeneration. Man, I miss that. Regeneration and renewal. Regeneration simply means rebirth. You start over again. You're born again. It's like, it's like you've been born once physically, but then you're born a second time and you're born spiritually. Then renewal means you just you just start over. You just get a new lease on life. And, and some of us need another chance. Am I right? So some folks, if you're not a Christian, you sure not need another chance. I know these theological terms, you may not know what regeneration means, you may not know what renewal means, you, you, you may not be concerned about that, but what you ought to be concerned about is God saves you when you get in that water. And then he gives you his spirit, his Holy Spirit, to keep you safe. That's to sanctify you, to keep you, you know, because this world is wicked. Am I right about it? I mean, it's just as wicked, and, and, and we know what's right, but we end up doing wrong. We, we want to do right, but we, we got to push ourselves, and, and, and God gives us his spirit. He gives us his word, and, and then we wait for eternal life. We wait for the second coming. We wait for Jesus to come and give us a glorified body. We don't have to worry about a backache. We don't have to worry about our knees and our feet hurting. We don't have to worry about migraines and, and sinuses. We don't have to go to the doctor anymore. No more prescription drugs. No more paying hospital bills. No more Medicare. We, we waiting for that glorified body. Man, being a child of God is a big deal. It's a happy time. When somebody gives their life to Jesus. And Paul said, remind them to be good citizens. Remind them. We may not like the person in office, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Remind them of how they used to be. Some have been in church so long, we forgot how we used to be. And I've said this more than once. Some of us have been kept from some things. You know, I've said this, so I'm going to keep saying it to y'all again. We've been kept from some things. Ain't never drank. Ain't never been in jail. Ain't never got a speeding ticket. Don't even know what weed is. Ain't never smoked a joint. Um, you know, ain't never done, you know, you've been kept for some things. 
And thank God you've been kept. But those of you who have been kept, you still weren't saved until you came to Jesus. So sometimes we think, well, well, I ain't never smoked, I ain't never got high, I ain't never, I ain't never spent no time in jail, didn't get no girl pregnant, I didn't get pregnant, and I never did that kind of stuff. I, I've been kept from that. I'm glad to get it. But you still need Jesus. And if you are relying on what you didn't do, that's still your righteousness. And Paul said the title. Your righteousness can't save you. Amen. You are still a sinner until you obey the gospel. So some of us being kept, some of y'all in the kept camp. But then there are a bunch of us, and I'm in this group, I've been delivered. I wish I had some help. I've been delivered. I've done some stuff before I met Jesus. I made some mistakes before I met Jesus. I, I messed up. Do I have some witnesses in the Whether you've been kept or been delivered, God still shows his kindness, his grace, and his mercy. And so, so whether I've been kept or whether I've been delivered, when I come to Jesus, I always start saying, oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When Jesus washed my Dirty sins away. See, 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 when you take it personal, he did not, he didn't have to do it, but he did it in And he did it for you. Is there someone this morning who's ready to give their life to Christ? Come by faith, believing that he died on the cross just for you. They buried him and rose from the grave the third day. Repent of your past sins. Confess the name of Jesus. We'll baptize you this morning in water and mercy for remission of your past sins. If you are a child of God and, and you need to rededicate your life, you need restoration for past sins, you can come. But come right now as we stand to sing something. 197, nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood.